IPI Freedom Dialogues, Turkey. Join the conversation on the future of quality journalism. Welcome to Freedom Dialogues, Turkey. I am Cansu Çamlıbel. Freedom Dialogues is brought to you from Istanbul by the International Press Institute. With this bi-monthly podcast, we are aiming to focus on the press freedom and freedom of expression issues in Turkey and around the world for raising awareness and hopefully attracting broader support for the cause of journalism. Unfortunately, in the past 14 years, nearly 1,200 journalists have been killed for reporting the news and bringing information to the public. On average, this constitutes one death every four days. In nine out of ten cases, the killers go unpunished. These figures do not include the many more journalists who, on a daily basis, suffer from non-fatal attacks, including torture, enforced disappearances, arbitrary detention, intimidation. Impunity is dangerous because by covering up serious human rights abuses, corruption and crime, the governments almost guarantee that similar abuses will continuously take place. Today is the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. It's a day observed by the initiative of UNESCO and IPI is proudly part of this initiative. To talk about what impunity means for journalists, I have Barbara Trionfi with me today. Barbara is our executive director at IPI in Vienna. Barbara, welcome to Freedom Dialogues. Great to have you on the podcast with us today. Good morning, Janso, and thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. It's delightful to work together with someone like you, a real press freedom advocate, and your academic background in the area helps us to put our daily troubles in perspective. International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. What does it really stand for? This is an initiative that started a few years ago when both non-governmental organizations like IPI that monitor press freedom and attacks against journalists, as well as international governmental organizations like the UN and others, noticed that the biggest problem related to attacks and killings of journalists is the impunity. The fact that the perpetrators are never brought justice. So in 99% of the cases, the perpetrators, so those who kill the journalists or those who send others to kill a journalist or so who order a killing are never brought in front of a court or never end up in prison. So in order to dedicate greater resources and greater attention To this issue, UNESCO, together with a group of other international organizations and press freedom groups, including IPI, launched this initiative to mark November 2nd, the International Day to End Impunity in Crimes Against Journalists. As far as I know, this date was chosen in commemoration of the assassination of two French journalists in Mali back in 2013. They were assassinated on November 2nd, 2013, right? Yes, that is correct. That is correct. When UNESCO decided to launch this day, indeed, it looked for 
a date that has a significance in the context of impunity. So mm -hmm. November 2nd was chosen exactly, as you say, for this reason. A resolution was voted at the General Assembly of the United Nations, of course. The resolution urged all member states to implement definite measures countering the present culture of impunity. The problem with these resolutions is that the member states do not really adhere to the importance and do not really comply with these resolutions. And it seems that they do not pay a price for not complying with these resolutions. As a journalist, it seems to me it's a similar kind of problem when we are talking about risk resolution. There is an open invitation and call from the UN to all member states But the situation in the ground is not much different. You're absolutely right, Jan. So, and unfortunately, a single resolution by itself does not bring about any change. Mm -hmm. um, we must also recall that the International Day to End Impunity was also launched in connection with uh, the so-called UN Joint Plan of Action on Safety of Journalists, which is a much broader initiative aimed basically, as I said, at gathering resources, bringing together resources from various UN agencies to fight crimes against journalists and the related impunity. So how does this bring change? It is simply the fact that there is an increased attention to this issue on one day of the year, but of course throughout the year as well. Organizations like IPI, like many others at governmental and non-governmental level, dedicate increased attention to the fact that journalists are killed and the killers do not face justice. This means Many journalists also investigate the killing themselves. Many non-governmental organizations put pressure on the judicial systems to work properly. Other governments or IGOs, for example, UNESCO, sorry, request governments to deliver information about specific cases, about the judicial proceedings in specific cases. So as many other things, this one day and this resolution is there to raise awareness about those governments and those judicial systems that do not function as they should. This generates pressure. Here at IPI, we have a death watch. It will be enlightening for our audience to talk about some iconic cases. One of them that I can recall is Daphne Galizia from mm -hmm. Malta, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And what uh, was her story? Okay, so Daphne, Daphne Carana Galicia was a journalist based in Malta who was killed in October 2017. So we just recently marked the third anniversary of her murder. She investigated corruption, she investigated nepotism, high-level allegations, you know, money laundering, online gambling, in which different representatives of the government and leading businessmen in the country were involved. And she worked both for local newspapers as well as, as uh, she had her own uh, blog, her own newsletter. And throughout her career, if you want, she was already very often attacked by representative of the political elite through mm -hmm. libel cases. So she had accumulated endless cases of libel, which she was fighting. Never she would have thought that... Uh, The situation in Malta is such that somebody would kill her until on 16 October 2017, she stepped into her car and the car exploded. So there was a bomb in her car that killed her. 
After this tragic event, which shocked Europe even more because it happened within the European Union, in a part of the globe where we thought this type of attacks do not take place. Another unfortunate case came from Slovakia in 2018. Jan Kusiak and his fiance. Uh, they were murdered. There is credible suspicion that his murder was linked to a businessman who was close to the political elite. But no justice in Slovakia for his death either, right? Precisely. So this is a slightly different case. As you said, Jan Kuciak and his fiancée Martina Kuznirova, they were killed in 2018. Jan was investigating, working as a journalist for a newspaper in Slovakia and investigating high-level corruption. The, the shocking aspect is that both Jan and Martina were so young. So uh, Jan was only 27 and, and his fiancée as well when they were killed. So this is an added element uh, in terms of the public opinion around this murder. And he was considered a genius in terms of collecting data and being able to gather data on uh, different aspects of corruption, if you want. So he had access to information that other journalists were not even able to collect. After the murder of Jana and Martina, immediately there was an upheaval in Slovakia. Many, many people went to the streets to protest this killing and the fact that it was clearly linked to somebody close to the government and close to the business elite. So this led actually the prime minister, Robert Fitzgerald, had to step back because of the protests. And the International Press Institute, our board member, Beata Baragova, who is editor-in-chief of one of the leading newspapers in Slovakia, was very involved also in, in ensuring that the people of Slovakia protest against this event. So in Daphne's case in Malta, there was very little protest at society level. Mm. And in the case of Jan, really so many people went down to the street to call for justice. As you said, now investigations have highlighted that it is possible. It seems very likely that a businessman called Maria Kochna is behind the killing mm-hmm. of Jan Kuciak. Actually, Marian Kochna already is in prison because of other crimes. However, recently there was a trial in which his involvement in the killing of Jan Kuciak and Martina Kuznirova was ruled, and the judge ruled against. So basically, they, they ruled that they don't have enough evidence to state that Kochna is really behind the killing of uh, the journalist. In Slovakia, was very much under pressure by society to convict Kochna in this case, basically to declare him guilty, and they didn't. So in this case, the court showed independence by not convicting this businessman because simply from a judicial point of view, there wasn't enough evidence. It will be important that the case is opened again, the investigations continue in order to gather this evidence and really understand who is the murderer. But it's, it's a very interesting case in that sense that we cannot complain in this case about the fact that the judicial system in Slovakia is not working properly. It is true, it has not delivered justice so far, but the court acted independently in this ruling. What really strikes me about Jan's and Daphne's cases, we are talking about both EU member countries. 
Malta. But when we jump to Africa, to a different continent, we have the case of Ahmed Hussein in Ghana. He was shot dead in January 2019. He was an investigative journalist working for Tiger Eye. They killed him on his way from work in Accra, the capital of Ghana. And the police arrested six persons on suspicion of involvement. But later, all of them were released. Is there any progress on his case? The reason that we know of, and this is the typical example of how most cases are dealt with, the cases of Daphne and Jan we spoke about before took place within the EU context where there are a number of institutions which are there just to ensure that that the rule of law exists. In the case of many other killings, like the one of Ahmed Hussein that you just mentioned, the impunity just remains Forever, the investigations are never opened. Again, the case is not opened and nothing happened. Basically, there is no movement whatsoever at the judicial level. Typically, as you say, some people are captured, are brought to prison. There is a trial in some cases, in some cases not even that, that everybody is let go. Supposedly because... The courts are under pressure by somebody else, supposedly because they don't work, because the police investigation don't take place. So journalists start investigating these cases, which is incredibly dangerous, puts them at risk. And yet there is no system, no justice system behind them. So, so this is a typical example of impunity. Let me give our audience a not very typical example from Turkey. It's also a case, I'm sure many people who follow what happens to journalists around the world are aware of. I'm talking about the case of Hurant Ding. Hurant was shot dead in front of the newspaper that he was the editor-in-chief of, Agos, in 2007. And he was not just a journalist. He was an Armenian-Turkish journalist living in Turkey. And he had always been outspoken about the Armenian genocide. He was putting efforts for reconciliation and coming to terms with this dark page of history. But the trouble with Huran's case is that the court process, the judicial process, showed that Ogun was the killer. But he was given direct orders from people within the state, at least with connections to the state. So this is a very dramatic example because it shows us the level of impunity in, in the Turkish system. And of course, it's also very heartbreaking that Hrant was not only murdered because he was a very outspoken journalist, he was also murdered because he was Armenian. Yes, and, and, and typically, if I may add to that, Jansu, is again, the person, the killer is sitting in prison, but the perpetrator, whoever ordered this killing, is not. And that is such a typical thing. IPI nominated Tranting, one of its World Press Freedom Heroes in 2007, precisely to keep the spotlight on this case and try to push for continued investigations in this case and make sure that whoever, as you said, ordered this killing also is punished for that. Right. But I think before we close today's podcast, it's important to remember what happened to Jamal Khashoggi. Yes, uh, Jamal is a very well-known case, a shocking case. You know, he was a Saudi Arabian uh, journalist working in the United States for the Washington Post. But of course, he was more than a journalist, if you want. 
uh, Saudi Arabia, for some reason, thought that they could just make it disappear and nobody in the world would talk about it. The system is such that an entire government, an entire state, the, the country of Saudi Arabia, is convinced that there is complete impunity for murdering a journalist inside their consulate in Istanbul, which is absolutely um, yeah, unprecedented. So in, in the case of Jamal, he entered the consulate to ask for paperwork to get married, and he never came out. And uh, now how he was killed, how brutally he was killed and so on, these are details that people have heard enough. But the fact is, two years after that happened, Saudi Arabia is hosting the G20 later, later this year. It's, it's impunity brought to the level of international relations. Now, what is the problem with all this? The problem is that, of course, the next journalist will not continue. The next journalist will not criticize the government in the way Jamal used to. Mm-hmm. The next um, journalist in, in Malta will not criticize, will not expose corruption in the way Daphne did. And similar in Slovakia and similar to any place, you generate self-censorship and you generate a chilling effect. And that is what has consequences for all of us as audiences. We don't get the news anymore. Well, the chilling effect, you're absolutely right. That's also being practiced in different levels in authoritarian countries, in newsrooms. So as I as I mentioned in the beginning, we are talking about the assassinations and the most difficult cases. But impunity also serves as a precursor for intimidation of journalists, not only killing them. So this chilling effect, if it's exercised in the newsrooms around the world, just like Turkey, in its basic form, it's a huge barrier in front of journalists to fully function, to report the facts. For today, our time has come to a close, Barbara. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, I know you have a heavy traveling schedule ahead of you, but it was really important to mark this day and to talk about our deceased colleagues around the world and why their cases do matter to focus on the problem of of impunity. And once again, thanks for sharing your valuable insight with us, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me, Cancel. You were on Freedom Dialogues Turkey. Until next time, stay healthy, stay safe. Goodbye. This podcast was produced with the financial support of the European Union. However, IPI has the sole responsibility of the content. Discussions and views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of the European Union.